Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Constant cleaning and costly repairs and sell your home stress-free with a guaranteed offer from Mark Spain Real Estate. Hi, this is Mark Spain, and our offers are the strongest in the industry. So you can sell your home stress-free, make the most money, and move when you're ready. Don't worry about the hassle of constant cleaning and making costly repairs. There are no showings, no open houses, and no stress. Find out what your guaranteed offer would be. There's no obligation. Go to MarkSpain.com to get a guaranteed offer on your home today and start packing. Certain restrictions apply. Bo Morgan here for the Georgia Hemp Company, and it's simple, guys. The Georgia Hemp Company has the finest CBD and hemp products for your wellness. Don't settle for less from the competition. Choose the quality and selection at the Georgia Hemp Company. And at the Georgia Hemp Company, you can expect top-notch service and expert consultations. So get the best CBD at thegeorgiahempcompany.com. That's thegeorgiahempcompany.com. Even use my code SQUIDBILLY10 for 10% off your order online today or visit them at one of their four Atlanta locations. Happy 62nd birthday, Granddad. Thanks, sweetheart. I got you this. A mug. Oh, thank you. Uh, What does it say? Beware. If you are 60 or older, you may be at increased risk of hospitalization from RSV, respiratory syncytial virus, compared to adults younger than 60. Not all dangers come with warning labels. Talk to your pharmacist or doctor about getting vaccinated against RSV today. Learn more at BewareOfRSV.com. Brought to you by Pfizer. Come hang out with 92.9 The Game, Michelob Ultra, and me, Andy Bunker, celebrating the 2023 Tour Championship. That's Wednesday, August 23rd from 4 to 6 p.m. at Atlantic Golf and Social on Peachtree Road in Chambly. Come putt for prizes and enter to win tickets to the Tour Championship with passes to the Michelob Ultra Athletic Club, an exclusive experience with covered seating and views of the 13th Green and 14th Tee Box. Sponsored by Michelob Ultra, must be 21+, plus and please drink responsibly. Again, coming up August 23rd from 4 to 6 p.m. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. We are your home for the NFL in Atlanta. And the home for our Falcons, Hawks, and Atlanta United. Knockdown and score! WCGC Atlanta at WCGC HD1. Always live and free on the Odyssey app. Atlanta Sports Radio 92.9 It's time to talk all things Dirty Birds. It's Falcons Flyover. With John Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back in the Kia Studios on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It is John Chuckery show. Hanging out with you on this Monday evening. 404-726-0929, Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of this show. Odyssey app site, catch on the go. Social media at 929 the game at JMSH316, 
at the D. Lewis for real on Twitter. This should not look at all things Atlanta Falcons. It is the Falcons flyover. Uh, so pro football focus grades from the Bungles preseason game, uh, week number two here. Uh, offensive grades first, Drake London at 78-4, Desmond Ritter at 78-4, Mac Hollins at 77-4, Parker Hesse at 75-4, and Tyler Vrabel was uh, 74 Point three, uh, your defensive grades. Top five guys uh, again: Demarco Hellams ninety-two point one, uh, Delonte Scott a ninety-one eight, Bud Dupree an eighty-five seven, Jesse Bates a seventy-nine seven, and D. Alford another good outing seventy-six point eight. Uh, some of the other notables: uh, B. John Robinson had a sixty-nine point six. Matthew Bergeron had a 69.1. Kyle Pitts a 68.6. Jalen Mayfield. What do you think Jalen Mayfield's pro football focus grade was? Take a guess. 74. 28. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I didn't mean to laugh like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, Kate Nellis is 73.3. And uh, Trey Flowers a 43.5. So that's... Um, and by the way, I get these numbers from Evan Birchfield, who, um, you know, check him out on his personal Twitter page, at Evan Birchfield. Um, I always go to him when when because uh, he does a good job of putting up the pro football focus grades after, even though I have I have a subscription to pro football focus. I I pay, I, I day day, I actually pay 10 bucks a month for the premium. You pay for something? I, I Yeah. <laughs> can you believe it? Yeah. I, I actually pay for pro football focus. Because I like their website. I, I mean, I I will admit I'm a am a fan. Um, do I have my issues and do I believe in everything? No, but until you show me a more accurate grading system for players, then I'll rely on them. Until you show, until me you get me a website that has more accurate information uh, about player grades, then then I'll look into it. But uh, until then, I'm going to pay for Pro Football Focus to kind of get their premium stats and insider numbers and all that kind of stuff. But Evan Birchfield does a nice job on Twitter. Uh, you can follow along with him and uh, and get all the information um, about all of that. Uh, Frank Darby was officially released with a waiver, uh, with an I should say waived, officially waived with an injury settlement uh, to it. So, again, uh, we knew Frank Darby was not going to be here, but uh, uh, and, and the legend of Frank Darby grows, right? I mean, again, the, one of the most hyped-up players that has never done anything in the NFL, and people just brag on him all day long about his speed and catching ability and all this, and he caught one pass last year. So, anyway, I just, you know, it's DeMar- Demario Davis all over again. Um, ESPN talking about floors and ceilings for NFL teams. Thought it was interesting because... They, um, they they say that the, the ceiling and floor for the Falcons, 11 and 6 would be their ceiling. But they have their floor at 5 and 12. Now, I don't agree that their floor is that low. So what would be the difference between, obviously, a really good season and what could be the bottoming out? Here's what they say. Here's from ESPN. They're staff writers or what have you. 
it, quote, if the Falcons' first-year coordinator is able to create a pass rush with Calais Campbell, David Onyemata, and Bud Dupree surrounding defensive tackle Grady Jarrett, Atlanta could get its offense more possessions. The aggressiveness could also help with creating turnovers, and the secondary has a lot of talent, including former first-round picks A.J. Terrell and Jeff Okuda at second. Um, and our buddy Michael Rothstein writes that um, uh, this defense could be make or break. Atlanta will need their offseason additions to pay off in the form of an improved pass rush combined with a secondary that creates turnovers. Falcons can do all of that, and it is likely that they finish with the 11-6. and six. But if everything doesn't go as planned, that record could turn into 5-12. and 12. And they also talk about Desmond Ritter if he doesn't pan out. Despite his strong showing in the 13-13 draw with the Bengals, uh, it's still early to say whether or not he lives up to expectations. But, again, they talk about Ritter and just what the, what the scenario is. Um, they say the Falcons' nightmare could come in one of two ways. Defense doesn't see much improvement up front or in the backfield, forcing the offense to shy away from the run game as they play from behind or get into a shootout. The offense isn't as efficient in the passing game as turnovers plague their production. So, again, <laughs> another outlet that doesn't have a lot of high expectation. I mean, look, the 11-6, and six, you know, that that's a pretty good ceiling. I think that's about what I have them as their ceiling. But when I look at it, I don't think that their floor is nearly 5-11. and 11. If they've won seven games over the last two seasons with that kind of roster talent, then there's no reason to think that Arthur Smith wouldn't coach his way into seven or eight wins again this season. Like, I just don't see that their roster could be that improved and then have a big floor to it. And, and Arthur Smith obviously has, you know, worked some miracles to get them to seven wins over the last couple of years. And I'm not saying that that's obviously where they want to be and that's not the end-all, be-all everything, but... The fact that he's gotten them to 7-10 and 10 over the last couple of seasons with a very substandard, subpar roster says a lot about how good of a coach that he is. And, if you, and again, I know Arthur Smith is excited for this roster. Like, he's definitely excited about what this roster could end up being. And, you know, obviously he's talked about the fact that he feels like this is the first time in these three years that he's had a real roster to work with. So I know he's excited, and his team is excited, so no reason to think that he wouldn't coach them to a, a worse record than what they've been over the last couple of years. And really and truly, one of the biggest reasons that the Falcons have even gone 7-10 and 10 is because of Arthur Smith, because of his ability to coach and coach these guys up. So I, I don't see how they could be worse than what they've been the last couple of years. And that's why I said I think they're 10-7. and seven. I think they win the NFC South. And we'll see what happens from there. Again, that's why they play the games, right? It could fall apart, but I just I don't see how I don't see how the Falcons regress to a five and twelve kind of level with the influx of talent. If they regress to five and twelve, there has to be some real questions surrounding this franchise. That we may not have the right GM, uh, maybe head coach, quarterback, everybody. Like, if 
If they go 5-12, and 12, everybody's on the clock. Everybody has to be held accountable at that point. Uh, as we get ready for Thursday action with the uh, the Falcons in their final preseason game, the uh, depth chart has been released. Here's the only thing, because, again, it's really not not different. Um, you know, D. Alford is the nickel corner, all the same suspects that are that are the starters and, and things like that, even though I don't think we'll see any of those guys. Um, you know, I, again, uh, Bijan is still listed third team. That's fine. I mean, it, we know what all of it is. The only thing that I think is interesting um, is the fact that Mike Hughes is listed as the first-team punt returner. He's the starting punt returner. Now, we haven't seen Mike Hughes take a punt back yet. Xavier Malone took the punt back the other night in the game, but we haven't seen we haven't seen Mike Hughes even feel a punt yet, right? I mean, I don't think we've seen him even even take a punt back or whatever. So. I, I wonder if he is just by default the starting punt returner or if there really is a competition. Like is Penny Hart or Scotty Miller? I mean, you know, Mike Hughes is listed as the starting punt returner. Penny Hart's the backup, and then Scotty Miller is the third guy. And I wonder just about how, you know, what the, what they're looking at with their punt return game. Obviously, you know, Cordell Patterson, and this is all without Avery Williams, obviously, but Cordell Patterson, you would figure he's the kick returner, right? I mean, he, he's, I mean, he's your kickoff guy, right? And there's, and there's nobody even listed behind Cordell Patterson. I mean, he's, he's the starter, and there's not even going to be a second or third guy unless he's not able to play. But I wonder about the punt return. You know, I want to see somebody who will field some punt. I don't want to see a guy that just fair catches back there. I'm sorry. We've lived with too much of that over the last handful of years. I've lived with too many guys, that the Allen Rossums and guys like that of the world, that just were guys that just fielded the punt and just fair cap, fair cop, you know. Like, I don't want to see that anymore. I I want to see the Devin Hesters of the world return punts and be aggressive taking punts back. Because, again, it's all about field position. And about minimizing first downs and everything else to go along with it. So I want to see somebody aggressive in the punt return game when it's all said and done. Um, but again, we haven't seen Mike Hughes and can know what he really has for the punt return game. Maybe he'll get a chance on Friday or th- Thursday, sorry. Maybe he'll get a chance on Thursday to return some punts. But I just I want to see somebody back there that, you know, is going to give us some aggressiveness and not just be a guy. And I understand coaches want a guy who just catches the football and doesn't turn it over, but I want to see somebody aggressive back there. Cordero Patterson's an aggressive kick returner. I want the same kind of thing for our punt return game. I want to see the same type of mentality in the punt return game. So obviously we'll have a final preseason game action coming up on Thursday on your home of the Atlanta Falcons. 5.30 will be pregame. That'll be Chris Goforth and Mike Johnson. And then 7.30 will be kick. Wes and Dave will have the call for all of that. And then Chris and Mike will have all of the post-game coverage uh, as well. So, And the Falcons will have this thing wrapped up. And then it'll be big-time cuts. I mean, it'll be a, a dump of players. And, you know, again, that's going to go all across the league. And I'm going to be curious to see if the Falcons don't make some kind of move. I want to see the Falcons pick up another interior offensive lineman. 
I still want to see them pick up another pass rusher, but, you know, again, I, I'm not banking on anything like that, but I want to see them at least pick up another interior offensive lineman. Pick up somebody, some veteran status, somebody that can help out on this line, just in case Matthew Bergeron has his struggles. All right, when we come back, we're going to hear from Arthur Blank, who joined Dukes and Bell earlier today, and we'll react to what he had to say. Chuck Green, Nikia Studios, Sports Radio, and that's in the game, Odyssey.com app. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Radio 92.9, the game back at a Chuckery show, hanging out in the Key Studios on this Monday evening with you. Uh, 404-726-0929. That is the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line. And a couple of people have reached out to me about D. Alford, but, I mean, here's the thing. D. Alford's not even listed on one of the top three spots on the depth chart. I mean, I got no problem with D. Alford. I mean, he ran the touchdown back. I got no problem with him being the punt return guy, but you would think that Okay, one of our punt. If D. Alford's going to be one of our punt returners, wouldn't he be on the top three? I mean, Penny Hart's a guy. Penny Hart's listed as the backup punt return guy. He may not even make the roster. So why would Penny Hart be listed number two? And there's a chance that he might not even be on this team when they start. Like he's not even a lock for the roster. So I, I don't have a problem with, and I, I I'm not disputing. D. Alford, but he's not even listed. D. Alford's not on the top three on the punt return depth chart. I mean, this is what I'm going by, and, and I know he had the punt return, but I, I don't know. Like, why, why would he not be listed on the depth chart? And you have Penny Hart listed on the depth chart, like I said, who may not be here. So that's, again, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's gamesmanship or something. I don't know. I, I have no no idea what, what the thought process is, but 
you would think that Alford would be on the top three of the depth chart if he really was going to be a guy that returns punts for this team. So, anyway, we'll see what the, what happens uh, with uh, all of that. So, all right, a couple of clips that I want to play from um, the interview that uh, that Dukes and Bell did um, with uh, Arthur Blank um, earlier on uh, this afternoon here. And um, here's Arthur talking about uh, being better than – seven and ten over these last couple of years well we we didn't um and i think with coach smith and a general manager terry fontenot and certainly rich mckay as well including me would never say that we we put this organization together for the seven and ten group of seasons we understand the transition um and that you know you have to have some degree of patience which is probably not my long suit but you know which is okay i mean that's that's fine but um but I, you know, but I, I, you know, I think that we feel that this team really should perform at a higher level than that this this year, and uh, and I think it starts. The coach feels that way. The players feel that way. The whole organization does, and our fans should feel that way too. And that should be their expectations. So, okay, I mean, I don't have a problem with what Arthur Blank said, but let me ask you. I mean. We always talk about expectations and different things and different things like that. Is is the expectation winning a division or being in the playoffs or what have you? Um, you know, again, I I don't have a problem with what Arthur Blank is saying. I think the Falcons should be better and, and there's no reason for them to not be better. But what ha- what happens if they're what if they're eight and nine? You know, that's better than 7 and 10. Is Arthur Blank or, or I should say uh, Arthur Smith or Terry Fontenot on the hot seat if they go 8 and 9? Or what if it's 9 and 7 and we don't make the playoffs? You know, I, I still think that if even if we're 9 and 7 and don't make the playoffs, I think that's a successful season. But do they, do they – does Arthur Blank look at it as a successful season? I mean, we're a couple of games above 500 – and yeah, it didn't work itself out that we, you know, couldn't win the division. But again, I'll take nine and seven as the next step forward in this thing. But does Arthur Blank feel like that Arthur and Terry are on the clock if you know it doesn't turn itself around at a certain level? I mean, and again, I don't think that anybody's getting fired after the end of this year. I think they've done enough good work that even if they regress that I don't think either one of those guys is gone next year. But but it is interesting what Arthur Blank had to say about that. That I mean, I know we're not in the business of being 7-10, and 10, but what are we in the business of? I mean, ultimately, are we in the business of winning a Super Bowl? You know, or do we have to take those, you know, baby steps first before we get there? All right, here's uh, Arthur talking about um, it's a new era and getting out of the cap purgatory. Well, it's a great question. You know, I think we went through a, you know, a, a predictable, um, what's the right word, kind of restyling of the team or retrenching of the team over the last couple of years. We went through a difficult period in terms of uh, dead money, which means you, for our fans who don't understand it, it means you're paying players who are not on your roster. Uh, that's never a good thing in any business. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, we, we, we led the league, actually we led the history of the NFL in that one year. And then, you know, this last year we didn't have, the year before last, we didn't have the kind of salary cap money to deal with. This last year we did. 
So we're out of the dead cap situation. We had a fair amount of money in terms of salary cap. We will always spend up to the very last nickel that we can. It starts with the owner and goes right through the organization. Um, so we've been able to make a bunch of commitments this year, primarily on defense, but some on offense as well. Um, we have, you know, all the weapons we need on offense. We've got a young um, team on defense. Um, we've got some inspirational older veterans that will play well and, and also show the younger, younger fellows, you know, just what the game looks like professionally. So, I mean, here's the thing. Um, and, and this is the only thing that, that I will dispute. And I understand that they've had a lot of dead money and this, that, and the other. Okay, I get all that. I, I hope we're not blaming our salary cap situation on why we have not been a good franchise for five years. You know, we haven't had a winning record since, oh, I don't know, 2017. Are we blaming all of that on the cap? Are we blaming that all on the idea of not having money to spend and things? See, that's the only thing is I will 100% vehemently disagree that the reason that we have we've been a you know haven't been a competitive franchise is because of our salary cap situation. I don't buy that. I don't buy that. You draft the right guys, okay, and and all the draft all your draft picks are are going to get paid what they're slotted to get paid. It's not like a not like one draft pick gets paid a unique amount of money. It's not the old days of the NFL. So your your salary cap for rookies is your salary cap. But have we drafted enough difference makers to, you know, affect our one-loss record? You know, again, when you take Micah Parsons, or I should say when you take Kyle Pitts over Micah Parsons, you know, is is are those the reasons why? That, that has nothing to do with salary cap. That has nothing to do with, you know, having dead money on the cap and things like that. You know, do we influence the game where it matters most? I will tell you no. And and that's why when when you look at the Saints and organizations like that, the Saints for uh, more than a decade plus have been in cap purgatory. They they've been, you know, filling their way with one-year quarterbacks with the Drew Brees for several years of one year here, one year there. I mean, again, I I don't I don't like that excuse, um, you know, for what the difficulties are that we've gone through. Like, you, you don't, you still have all of your young guys and rookies. Have those guys made enough of an impact yet? Has Drake London, Kyle Pitts, have those guys made enough of an impact for this team? Again, it's a sport where things turn around quickly. You can go from last to first. In a year, not three, four, five years, three-year plans and all this kind of stuff. You can go from last to first in a year's time. Again, I go to Jacksonville. They had Urban Meyer as their head coach. And then they won the division at 9-7 and seven a year later. I, that I, I don't want to hear about salary cap and dead money and all that kind of stuff. Like that that's not the reason why we we haven't had a winning year in 5 years. Cuz it's been 5 years. 
right? And we're one of the very few, we're one of the very, very few playoff, or sorry, NFL franchises that hasn't even appeared in the playoffs in five years. There's a very select few franchises that have not made the playoffs over the last five years. And those are some of the worst franchises in the NFL. I mean, you at least make the playoffs once or twice every five years. We haven't. 2017 is the last time we made the playoffs. So, again, I, I, I understand the salary cap implications. I get it, and I understand. But, again, if we're using that as an excuse about why we haven't been a good franchise – I just I don't want to hear those kinds of things. I, I don't I don't buy into all of those kinds of things. So, you know, again, we'll see. I mean, obviously, look, there is a lot of expectations for this team. I know the fans have a lot of expectations. And obviously, you know, we expect to be in the mix for winning this division. We obviously expect to be in the mix for, you know, potentially having a 9, 10, 11 win type of season. Like, we expect that kind of stuff to, to happen. We expect us to be, you know, one of the better franchises, you know, in the NFC and, and potential division champion. And if it doesn't happen, like I said, I mean, I still think that the Falcons can be 9-7 and seven and have a good year, have a successful season. Like, I don't think it's playoffs or bust for this team. I, I don't think, again, I will tell you, I think the Detroit Lions, they were 9-7. and seven. They finished a distant second place in their division. Didn't make the playoffs. I think they had a successful season. When you look at the things that the Detroit Lions were able to do with their two young rookies, you don't think that their two young rookies over the last two years, their two first-round picks, had a big hand in getting them over 500 with Panay Sewell and Aiden Hutchinson? You don't think those guys played a big hand in it to help out Jared Goff to solidify their defensive pass rush? You don't think that those two guys had a big hand in turning some things around for Detroit, who's been one of the joke franchises of the NFL for, what, about 15 years now? So, again, I don't buy into the whole salary cap thing when you have teams that are, you know, repeatedly in salary cap purgatory. And and teams that are even in our division that are in salary cap purgatory that have been for a decade, uh, that's not that's not a viable excuse for for why we haven't been able to win or things like that. That's not a, not a viable excuse for why we haven't been a good franchise over the last five years. So again, we'll see. I mean, a lot of expectations, and obviously it'll crank up here in a few weeks, and we'll get this thing going, and we'll play the Carolina Panthers, and we'll either beat them or not. So. Anyway, all right, when we come back, it will be time for What's Bugging Chuckery. I mean, only if the A if the A's could have only invested in their baseball club the way that they're investing in this new stadium. Hmm. We'll talk about that next. Chuckery in the Key Studios. Sports Radio, Nights in the Game, the Odyssey.com app.
Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, back at a Chuckery Show, hanging out at Key Studios on this Monday evening with you. 404-726-0929 is our Solomon Brothers Diamond Tech Sign. We'll get to what's bugging Chuckery here in just a couple of minutes. Well, Braves are battling their way back after uh, they were down 3 nothing to the Mutts, but they've battled their way back. Marcel Ozuna, not one, but two home runs tonight. His 25th and 26th home run. Um, now, we're going to talk some Braves baseball coming up uh, at the top of the hour because I'm going to ask a question about who do you think's had the most surprising season for the Braves thus far? And I'll ask Day Day, and I'll give you my thoughts as well, and we can open up the phone lines uh, to you. But Braves right now, now leading 4-3 to three as we're in the uh, top of the fifth uh, inning. Uh, Winans has settled down here. He's got four and a third innings. So far, five hits, three earned runs. Hasn't walked anybody. That's good. Does have four strikeouts. That's also good. But he has given up two home runs in the game tonight. Ortega and Stewart have uh, homered. Uh, both of those guys have homered uh, off of him. And um, I, we can't lose to the mutts, right? Like, we can't lose to the mutts. I mean, we gotta, we gotta, you know, we got to put them in last place. We got to get them to where they're in last place when all of them. F the Mets, F the Mets, step right up and F the Mets. Bring your kiddies, bring your wife. They're going to suck for the rest of your life. All right. Thankfully, we're back on top. So, again, we, uh, we're, right, we're right where we're, we should be, right? So, but, yeah, Wine has done a nice job. I mean, he's... He settled down. He gave up the three runs in the second inning, and uh, he's kind of settled down from there. And then the Braves' offense is slowly but surely, you know, finding their way back. Um, Arcia's got a hit tonight. Uh, Grissom has got a hit uh, in his first start of the year tonight. But uh, Marcelo Zuna, two for two, two runs, two RBI, two homers uh, in the game. That's uh, That's been the difference. And Michael Harris also knocked in a, a couple of runs, and Ronnie – Two for three with a run scored uh, tonight. So, again, 333 batting average with a 419 on base percentage for Ronald Acuna Jr. Just ridiculous numbers. Ridiculous numbers. He's going to be the MVP of the league when all is said and done. Sorry, but the, nobody's going to. Uh, nobody, even Freddie or Mookie Betts, nobody's going to overtake Ronald Acuna Jr. Because he's not going to go into any kind of extended funk where he goes into a 20, 30 game stretch of hitting about 150. Like, that's not going to happen for Ronnie. He's just too good. And, again, with these guys that hit at the bottom of the order, it just creates more and more opportunity for him. So, again, uh, Braves back up 4-3 to three right now. We'll keep you up to date uh, all night long before we get out of here of uh, what's happening. And, uh, obviously, we just got to beat the mutts when all is said and done. I don't care. I don't care if we win this game 4-3 to three or 40-3, to three, you know, 44-33. to 33. I don't care what the score is, just as long as we beat the mutts and and sweep them uh, out of town. All right, speaking of sweeping things out of town, let's get to what we call what's bugging Chuckery. Don't look now, but somebody out there just got Chuckery ticked off. (laughs) Like, that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for What's Bugging Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. So the Oakland Athletics have officially hired the construction firm Mortensen and McCarthy to build their new ballpark 
out in Las Vegas. Now, and, and this this was the odd part, Day Day, that, that, that I found. They're only going to build a 30,000-seat stadium. They're building. They're going to build a 30,000-seat retractable roof ballpark that is projected to open in 2028, and the expected cost, and by the way, the, these are always, when, when you get to the real cost of things, okay, this is the estimated cost, $1.5 billion for a 30,000-seat baseball stadium. Are they not expecting anybody to go to the game? Are they not expecting, I mean, again, that's a WNBA arena. But 30,000, but it's going to be a retractable roof ballpark. Now, I guarantee you when all is said and done, it'll be over $2 billion to have built the stadium. No stadium ever comes in under budget. It's always going to be more. So it'll be $2 billion. Gee, imagine if the Oakland A's ownership, I don't know, invested that kind of money into their actual payroll and actually had fans come out or, you know, decided to build a stadium in Oakland. Whether you demolish the stadium and rebuild it there or you find another site. Imagine what all imagine that the A's ownership is playing with $1.5 billion to do something with, and they couldn't have done it in Oakland. Again, their ownership is a disgrace. It really is. I mean, it's it's a sad state of affairs that there's not going to be baseball in Oakland, that we're not going to get the red, white, and green, and yellow, uh, or not the red, white, I mean, the, the green, yellow, and white of the Oakland A's uniforms with the elephant on it, right, and the A symbol, and it's a shame that we're not going to get baseball in that town. By the way, are they going to be the athletics or are they changing their name completely? I, would, I hadn't heard any reports of them changing their yeah, name. Yeah, I haven't heard that either. You know what? If if I'm the commissioner, I'm I'm not letting them be the athletics anymore. Like if Oakland wants to bring a team back to Oakland, they can be the athletic. Like you know, when when the Browns moved to Baltimore, the commissioner did not let them take the Browns' name. Yeah, he knew right off top he was going to bring a team Absolutely. Back to he was going to yeah. bring a team to Cleveland, and they were going to be called the Browns. Now, not that Art Modell was going to name them the Browns anyway, but, again, you, you protect your interest in that kind of situation mm-hmm. because Art Modell's a sleaze bag, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but I, 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 I'm with you. I, I have not heard that they are going to have a – uh, a name change, other than the other than the athletics, I wouldn't. If I was a commissioner, I'm not letting them take the athletics name. Yeah, that that's been a staple in baseball, and I, I know that the athletics have moved different places. Right, they were in Philadelphia, then they went to Kansas City, and then they came out west. Yeah, but this is their longest. Exact. Well, I mean, I mean well, I don't know. Phil, they were in Philadelphia for a long time. They were the Philadelphia A's for a long time. Back in the 1800s and until I think 1950, isn't that when they moved to uh, to Kansas City? We have the Philadelphia A's. I think it was 1950 when the Philadelphia A's moved to uh, Kansas City. But anyway, I'm not letting them take the name. But just imagine that again, their ownership 
could have put, I don't know, a few million dollars into their roster instead of playing with a $25 million payroll. So they're going to have this $1.5 billion stadium that only seats 30,000 people with a retractable roof, and are they going to spend only $25 million on payroll? Because they won't even get 30,000 people to come see a dreadful baseball team. Either you start spending money on talent and acquire talent, or you're going to get left behind. And and the the A's can move 15 times. They can go they can go to Las Vegas. They can move out of Oakland. They can go to El Segundo. They can move to Rancho Cucamonga. They can play anywhere they want. But if you're only going to have a $25 million payroll and not going to invest in talent and spend money to acquire talent or draft great players, it's not going to matter. And this defeats the whole purpose. But again, $1.5 billion stadium. How much of the taxpayer is going to be on the hook for that? And you know, like I said, it's going to be more than 1.5. What state? What stadium in today's world is even built for 1.5 billion dollars? Even for 30,000 people. Like I said, that that sounds like a WNBA arena. That that's not, that's like Georgia's. That's like Georgia State's, uh, you know, campus. You know, this this is like one of these small, um, you know, on-campus colleges, like Bright House Stadium, you know, only probably seats about 30,000 down at Central Florida in Orlando. This is a Major League Baseball team that's never had baseball in Las Vegas and is getting a professional baseball team, and they're only going to have a 30,000-seat stadium. Probably because they're afraid that they're not even going to sell that part of it out. <laughs> yeah, and they're probably going to. I mean, it sounds like it's being built for, like, concerts, things of that nature. Um, and uh, so they were in Philadelphia for 54 years, currently 55 for Oakland. Okay. So they, they moved in. They, they 68. Was it, oh, well, which move? Well, when they left Philadelphia to go to Kansas City. Uh, that was uh, 50. Let's see, because they got there and oh, they were founded in 1901, and then they left in 55. Okay. So I was off by five years. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I know Connie Mack had – I know Connie Mack was the manager mm-hmm. for the first 50 years. Yep. He, yep. Was the, he was the manager until 1950. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I thought right after that they had moved. But I know Connie Mack was the manager for 50 years. Think yep. about that. That's a 50 long time. years. Yeah. Yes. He went through all of those upsets. But, by the way, he was also the owner of the team, too. Mm-hmm. Like, he was the owner of, of the original club and everything like that. So he was the manager and he was the owner because – Remember, he had the famous $100,000 infield. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we're not getting all the baseball talk. But, again, this, this is an embarrassment for, for the city of Oakland and the fact that they're losing this this franchise to, to you know, Las Vegas to for, for a guy that, you know, isn't going to spend money. You know, I, what makes you think that their owner is going to all of a sudden get an epiphany and say, hey, you know what, we've got to spend money to make money. Because that would be what the disgrace would be, is that you, you spend money all of a sudden when you get to Las Vegas and you hadn't spent money, you know, in Oakland. One of the most storied franchises in American League history, right? I mean, one of the more storied franchises, some of the more famous teams and 
American League history, the the A's franchise, and you didn't invest money into it. I like I said, I I hope everything bad for this ownership group or whatever. You know, again, their owner, their lead owner in this thing is worth six point five billion dollars. So it's not like he doesn't have money. And again, I'm wondering how much of the you know the the city of Las Vegas is on the hook for in all of this. And this sets a bad precedent because, again, you're going to have these teams. The only reason that the Tampa Bay Rays haven't moved is because their deal is pretty lock, locked in, I mean, pretty hardcore with the city of St. Petersburg. Like, they've, they've wanted to move and they've wanted to get out of, of Tampa St. Pete, but they've got a pretty ironclad deal as far as their, their you know, uh, business partnership with the city of St. Petersburg in that Tropicana field. Like, I, I, they're pretty much stuck there. And, look, I don't have a problem with that. If, if you want to build a new stadium, go build you a new stadium. But, you know, when you threaten to leave, you know, again, you, you, better, you better be able to you, – you better have all of your I's dotted and T's crossed and, and all of that. And, you know, the city of St. Pete has really locked down the – the Tampa Bay Rays. Unfortunately, that didn't happen in Oakland. But again, this is the disgrace that the Oakland A's are going to be in Las Vegas, and then they're getting a a one point five billion dollar thirty thousand seat stadium with a re- retractable roof of all things to go along with it. It's sad, sad, yeah. sad he, state of affairs. He had no intentions of staying in. Of course Oakland. not. He had none. Of course not. Which was why he tried to put the. You know, he knew they weren't going to pay for anything. Like nope. He, he knew what he was doing. This was all strategic. He knew, like, hey, look, they don't, he knew this was how it was going to play out. So Yeah, yeah. And, again, they probably would have built some, you know, big-time luxury stadium if if it had worked out, you know, in Oakland. Mm-hmm. But as it is, they're going to build a 30,000-seat stadium uh, in uh, Las Vegas. for. And, and you're right. It's probably, it's probably going to be for everything but baseball. Yep. Concerts and things like mm-hmm. that. I mean, listen. It's an attraction to go out to Sin City, right? And and they and they have that the the um, the uh, the Raiders Stadium, right? Well, I don't know what, what's that called because again they have the Pac-12 championships uh, and all that, that out Allegiant? there. Allegiant? What is it? Oh Allegiant? yeah, Allegiant. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Allegiant Stadium. So there you go. So they'll have their little baseball stadium to go along with it. Notice how they didn't ask Oakland to get back into a partnership for Oakland, you know, like they had with the Raiders. And I'm pretty sure the Davises had closed yeah, exactly. that door a long they, time yeah, ago. Yeah, <laughs> they, they probably pretty much told the you know, owner of the A's, yeah, we don't want anything to do with you <laughs> right. anymore. Yeah, we, we've been down that road before. So anyway. All right. 404-726-0929. Who's had the most surprising season for the Braves thus far? Most surprising season for the Braves thus far. Chuck Ray hanging out in the Key Studios. Sports Radio to the game, Odyssey.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.